APU. American Public University is proud to present Leading Forward. Hello, everyone. This is Linda Asher. Welcome to our podcast. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Ron Johnson. He is a professor in the Wallace E. Boston School of Business at American Public University. He's been with us since 2008. Ron is an accomplished scholar. He has international recognition through papers and publications. He is a world traveler and is here to share his expertise with us on music therapy in the workplace. Ron, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you, Linda, for the nice introduction. It's a pleasure to be here with you. To begin with, let's talk about what is music therapy? Music therapy is defined by many different scholars and organizations. The American Music Therapy Association, they see music therapy as something for people to use in order to receive some positive healing effects. And these are clinically directed programs. So when you are looking at musical therapy, you're looking at a clinical and evidence-based use of music to accomplish a variety of goals, a variety of goals for the individual. And these are done through a person who is accredited in music therapy. So it's a whole field of study. It truly is. There are many universities that offer bachelor's and graduate degrees in this field. And to be credentialed, you would need this type of degree. So yes, it's definitely a field and it is expanding. There are more and more programs out there in academia to train people to become music therapists. What are some conditions or needs of people that music therapy helps or would be used for? Oh, the list is endless. You know, we can look at first responders. We can look at military personnel, people who have suffered trauma, people who have been affected by PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. There's a huge portion of the population in society that could definitely be benefited from music therapy. And to me, as an observer of organizations, as an observer of individuals within society, and mainly as a lover of music, I think that we need to take a step back and look at the history of music in our society. We found music being referenced in the Bible. There's reference to music and various other historical documents. But don't take my word for it. <laughs> don't take the word of the music scholars. How about the people who are making the music and the people who are sharing their gift with us? For instance, Elton John, a performer who I've seen numerous times in concert, He's long been a proponent of the healing power and restorative power of music. And he's been quoted as saying, music has healing power. You've probably heard of Carl Jung, the Swiss psychiatrist and psychoanalyst, developed the theory of personality. 
he stated that music should be an essential part of every analysis. And then more recently, Oliver Sacks, who's a best-selling author and he's a professor of neurology at the New York University of Medicine, he said music can lift us out of depression. It can move us to tears. It's a remedy. It's a tonic. But for many neurological patients, music is even more. It can provide access, even when no medication can, to movement, to speech, to life. For these patients of Dr. Sachs, music is not a luxury. It's a necessity. And this statement resonates very strongly for me because I just can't imagine a day without music. Are there particular types of music that are used in therapy more than others? Or do therapists test people to see what types of music work individually with them? That's a very good question. Music therapists, by and large, they state that the best type of music, and again, it's all dependent on the individual, as you say, is something that is not really a fast tempo, something that is in the range of 60 to 70 beats, which is what the average heart rate is. It's music that does not have words to it. If there are any vocals to it, then it may be something that is just like a la la la, but it's not actual vocals. And then finally, the best thing about using music therapy is that there are so many different styles of music that you can use. One can look at the classical music from the classical composers. We have a movement of mindfulness in organizations and with individuals. And in mindfulness practices, they often recommend and use ambient music. Ambient music was created by a musician by the name of Brian Eno. And he was, it's a funny story, but he was going through airports in Europe and he was traveling a lot. And for those of you who can remember Muzak, elevator music. Oh, yeah. It was just driving him crazy. He thought there has to be something better. So as a composer and as a musician, he composed a style of music, which he called ambient music. And the first recording that he did was called Music for Airports. So he started the ambient music revolution, I call it, in the 1970s. So yes, there are many different types of music. And there's also types of white noise, you know, if you want to listen to that, or if you just want to listen to piano or flute, something. But yes, there's many different types of music that can be used. You just triggered a memory for me when I was in law school. And this is going back a few years. I'm not going to admit how many. But in the library, they had these little white noise machines interspersed along the long tables that they had in the library and also in the individual carols. They had these white noise machines throughout the library. You could use them or not. If you wanted to make use of it, you'd switch it on or you didn't. And everybody that I knew wanted to sit by the white noise machine because it was soothing. It masked distractions, helped concentration. 
You know, when music is used in a therapeutic manner, it's driven a lot by the musical preferences of the patient. And overall, there's a lot of evidence that states that live music, if possible, has been demonstrated to have an even more positive effect on patients than recorded music. And that just reminds me of a interesting conversation I had just this past weekend. I was going to a concert and before the show began, I started talking to a doctor and he was a surgeon. Now he's doing IT medical work, but he's a surgeon. And he said there were certain times with certain situations in surgery where right outside the OR, the operating room, they would have live musicians. So people before and after would be serenaded by a celloist or light piano music. And he said that positive results to this were amazing because it was just something that was different, but it was very soothing to the patients in a stressful environment. Can you imagine seeing that on your hospital bill, a line item for the pianist at the operating room? Yeah, especially if it's one of the popular classical musicians. <laughs> I don't mean to make light of it. I could just flash on that being there. And that would probably be one of the most worthwhile things for me to pay for if it showed up on my hospital bill. I had not heard of that, but it doesn't surprise me having heard it. It's an excellent idea. I wonder if that was driven by the surgeon himself requesting it or if it was a study being done in the hospital. The doctor that I spoke with said that this was something that he implemented. He was head of the surgery department. Ah, excellent. So he was able to implement that. And it was not year-round, but it was something that was used to great effect. Now, that's a workplace example because a hospital is also a workplace. That's being implemented for primarily the patient benefit, which is, of course, very important. I'd like to think a little bit about how it's being used with employers and employees. I have read and heard that music therapy as a workplace tool is becoming more prevalent. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, that's a very good point, Linda. Music at work is not a new thing. We can look back to the 1920s for the Hawthorne experiments where changing a condition of a factory had a positive or sometimes a negative effect on productivity. And the same thing is with music. Music has been in factories, in organizations since the 1940s. There was a study done in the UK during the war where productivity was very important in industry and they found that putting upbeat music really helped increase productivity so they kept that on they kept the music playing while they were constructing all of their weapons and armaments music can also in an organization in a workplace it can really help creativity it can help people have ideas it can help people to become more productive. It can help improve people's mental health. It reduces the stress, the anxiety, and depression, especially during these pandemic times that 
you know, we're either working alone, we don't have the interaction with our coworkers. So having music in your home office is really important. I have classical music playing all day while I'm working, and that is probably one of the best types of music to listen to. Explain a little further what you mean by classical music, because I have a feeling that might mean different things to different people. Well, it's definitely not classical rock. It's not anything with vocals. I'm thinking music from the 17, 1800 period, orchestra music, orchestral music, not opera, because opera has a lot of vocals in it, usually in different languages. So that could get confusing. But anything that has a nice soothing sound, something that is calming, something that is, again, instrumental. So rather than maybe just saying classical music, we can then define the best music, and again, it's individual preference, to be something that's instrumental with a soothing beat and something that can help to uh, make the workplace a bit more soothing. So you're talking about Beethoven? Of course. Okay, that's one. Brahms? Bach. Bach? Yeah. Bach would be interesting because that is a composer that has a more cadenced beat to many of his compositions. Yes, and there have been studies done with Bach's music about how it can cognitively influence you in a positive way. So again, as I said earlier, this type of music can really aid in creativity. It can aid in problem solving. It can help you be more productive. Have the experts, if you know, done any opining or studies as to this type of music? You mentioned soothing. Aiding in production and creativity on the one hand, but on the other hand, ambient music and soothing music is also used as an aid for people to go to sleep. Now, that seems like two contradictions. Well, yeah. It is, but the music therapy can be used for improving your sleep practices. Uh, it's also used to reduce pain. Just think of uh, if you're listening to something music-wise, but you may be undergoing case in point. I've been going to the dentist a couple of times. Dentist is not a fun place to be. Having that calming music is something that really lessens the stress. So there's many other uses therapeutically for music, even for TBI, traumatic brain injuries. Music can help improve motor functions. There's even research now that shows that listening to music can help lessen the uh, effects of dementia. So wouldn't that be wonderful? We, oh, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have they done studies to show different parts of the brain responding to music versus responding to other stimuli? They have, and that's a very good question. That's a little bit above my level of study because then you're starting to get into cognitive behavioral therapy and areas like that. But for sure, when we look at neuroscience and neurolinguistics, then definitely the music therapy can help people reprogram. They can help people who are having depression. And sometimes if the music therapy is combined with these different therapies, you really have a good base 
to help improve a person's not only mental health, but their physical health. It's interesting. Hey, everyone, it's time for a break. Don't go away. At American Public University, we believe that higher education can unlock higher purpose. So we offer 200 modern programs for those who want to make a difference. And we believe education must adapt to students' needs. That's why we've made it accessible through online classes and flexible with monthly program starts. American Public University, within reach, without limits. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. Welcome back, everyone. You were just listening to an example of ambient music. This is an example from Pixabay called Rain by Slice Beats. I'm speaking today with Dr. Ron Johnson about music therapy, which uses ambient music as one example of therapy music. Ron, to continue our discussion, how are employers using music therapy? That's an area that I wish there could be a little more unanimity on the processes that we have in organizations. You'll find in many office settings that music is allowed, but you would have to have headphones on. So when you're wearing headphones and listening to music, it kind of cuts you off from the rest of your environment. So for certain types of tasks, I could imagine accounting or things that you really have to focus on what you're doing. Headphones, music, great combination. But if you want to be able to interact with others, maybe it would be good for organizations to just have some of the calming music, some ambient music being played throughout the workplace. But again, there's no standard for this at this time. One of the courses that I'm involved in at the university is crisis management. And one of the things that we talk about from a management perspective is what employers can do post-crisis management for, well, let me give you an example. A workplace violence situation can be very traumatic for employees, obviously. And the post-traumatic stress of that is a lingering issue for that workplace because the violence has occurred there. It could be a shooting or it could be some other type of violent outbreak. How might employers dealing with that type of situation use music therapy for their workplace as a management technique to help employees? That's the very good question. For an organization, depending on its size, I would recommend bringing in a music therapy practitioner. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that would be my first suggestion. Just as we have organizational consultants, we have music therapy consultants. So you don't want somebody who says, oh, yeah, I DJ on the weekend, choosing the music that you're going to be playing for everybody in your organization. So a certain degree of care 
needs to take place before you go down that path. So one way maybe is to just go ahead and have a policy where people can bring in their own music and listen to it on headphones, but not have anything in the organization. And then just talk to people, talk to your employees. What type of music would you like to hear? How does this sound? Does this make you more or less stressful in your work environment? But to use music as a healing activity after a traumatic experience like you just mentioned, it can't be overstated. If we look at some of the major traumatic experiences within countries such as war or 9-11, music played a very integral part to the healing process. I can remember after 9-11, one of the first things that happened was there was a huge concert at Madison Square Garden for first responders and for people who were at Ground Zero to just get in and hear music and celebrate and have that connection just with one another and with the actual music that was being played. So, yeah, there's been countless studies done on the role of musical therapy intervention. And that's where my mind was going on this as a management intervention technique. I like that word intervention. Allowing people to play music is one level. But another level would be, it seems to me, having employees together as a group in some type of session not necessarily interactive, although that's one type of therapy, you know, group discussions and so forth. But from a music standpoint, to just have a relaxation session as a group with music could be a healing experience, it seems to me. And what the music therapy can also help to promote is open communication. People are a little bit more relaxed. They have less muscular tension. They're just feeling a little bit better. So if you have something that is relaxing people, that can really set the stage for open communication. And you'll probably see the communication interactions among your employees as increasing due to the music that is being played. Do you anticipate that there will be employers that would be resistant to using music therapy as too touchy-feely or too... I don't know, not useful? I think in any situation within our organizations where we're looking at starting something new, you're going to have resistance. And one area that I haven't been able to find any research on, but it's interesting to me, would be the attitudes of the different generations as to hearing music in the workplace. Maybe the younger generational cohort is more apt to enjoy music. Maybe they're not. That would be a good study, though, I think. Yeah, I was thinking along the same line that probably more studies are on the horizon and should be to help educate. And that leads me to another thing. Isn't this something we could be teaching at the university level on the business side? Yeah, definitely. I think that, well, I'll give you an example. When I begin a graduate course I always add a link to some type of music that is inspirational to me, something to let the person know, okay, we've watched his video introduction, we've read about all of his accomplishments, we see 
the published works, but who is Ron Johnson as a person? Showing the students the types of music that I listen to, and I have very eclectic taste when it comes to music, I think that it also not only shows students who I am, but it can also trigger emotional responses in the listener, in the student. So this is a way that I can do a little music therapy with my students before starting a class. And I just think that showing that shows me as a person and kind of takes the edge off, the anxiety off of starting a new class because students are very nervous when they come into the classroom for the first time. They don't know their classmates by and large. They don't know their instructor. So having a little music, it's almost like an icebreaker and it does lessen the anxiety of starting a new class. And professors, we get nervous too before the beginning of a class. Sure, I think it's an excellent idea, Ron. Could also ask students to share their favorite music. Yeah, I don't even have to ask them. They do. Do you think music therapy is a management technique and say a crisis management course or um, some other way has any merit? Is something to think ahead for curriculum? I do. I think that if you're responding as a crisis management professional to a situation, the type of music that is going to be played, if any, is going to be something that is going to have a calming effect on the situation, on the individuals who are in the response mode, and even the victims. I would think that if you have a holding area for people who have been through a traumatic event, playing some ambient music, playing something in the background could have a calming effect on both the first responders and for the people who were the victims of the event. So certainly crisis management toolbox should include some kind of music therapy. And again, that would be up to the actual crisis manager. There are certain situations where music would not be appropriate, but I think that it could be worked into a response for a crisis, yes. Yeah, as a component of a post-crisis plan. And I think it must be emphasized that this is something you would do with an expert advisor as to how it would be best applied as an intervention technique. Yes. Which leads me to another question. How do you find a music therapist for the workplace? I would use this tool that is out there. It's called Google. <laughs> I, I would do a Google search for music therapists. But the thing is, you have to remember, you don't just go in there blind. You have to look before you start searching for someone. You have to have an understanding of the different criteria that you are going to be needing in your crisis management plan or in your organizational plan. So you just don't go in and say, okay, you were the first person whose name came up give me some music that I can use for therapy purposes. No, it has to be something that is specific to your organization, specific to your employees. As I said earlier, when you have different generations in the workforce, if you're going to play music from you know the 1940s, Benny Goodman, swing music, 
it might have the opposite effect. Instead of calming, it could be very aggravating. So you do need to be careful with the choice of music. And that's why something without lyrics, something with a smooth and steady beat is what is preferable. Well, and I think it's like anything else. You need to assess what it is you want to use it for. What is your goal? What do you want to accomplish with your workplace? Do you have employees that don't communicate? Would use of music improve that? Do you have employees that aren't getting along well and you can't put your finger on really what's going on with that? Maybe music therapy, for want of using a better term, we'll just call it music therapy for use of music. Maybe introduction of music in some more organized way in the workplace would assist that. Agree. I think you want to know what your questions are before you just go find somebody to say, hey, I'd like to use some music in my workplace. No, that's exactly right. You have to have a clear idea. But again, a music therapist or a specialist can help you form those questions and that strategy. And the thing to remember also, Linda, is that there are plenty of residual effects to having the music in your workplace. It really can strengthen interpersonal skills. So if somebody says, hey, I like that music, or I remember that one, there's something sharing right there through the use of music. And I think it can also help with resiliency. It can help individuals with their coping skills. You know, how many people have a bad day at work? Sometimes just hearing a little bit music can increase an individual's self-awareness of what's going on and improve communication. And it can definitely increase in a positive way people's moods. Well, you know, another issue that's very much on the forefront right now is employee retention. Seems to me it might have a positive effect for that as well. Yes, absolutely. But again, you have to be careful before implementing something like this. That's why I think an approach where you have a policy that states, yes, if you have music that you want to play, headphones are definitely encouraged. However, the next step could then be to survey your employees and find out what do they want. Are you aware of any companies that do this in an organized way? Yes, the United States military, also first responder units, they've been using music therapy forever, for decades now, because as you stated earlier, that traumatic experiences when you're put through something like that, one of the best ways to help that person is through music, whether that would be live music, as I mentioned in the hospital example, or recorded music that really is something that is therapeutic. The therapeutic power of music cannot be overstated. Military, that's fascinating. Can you give us an example of what the military does? Well, look at the military, the history of music. As a army was going into battle, who was at the front line? Those were the trumpeters. Those were the people that were blowing the music to charge, to charge and engage the enemy. Music is also used to get the troops up in the morning, reveille. Music is also used in the military at the end of the day. To this day, military organizations still play taps. Oh, yeah. So that signifies that's the end of the duty day. And that gives a calming effect. That lets the person know, okay, my day is done. 
taps are being played. Let's finish out the day. Whereas the opposite, Reveille, it's a bit livelier and it gets you going. It gets you up. It gets you into the formation and prepared to do your job. So the military has been using music forever. And to this day, it's still in effect. So it energizes, it calms, it mentally organizes, it helps create focus. It promotes creativity. It's very much a part of who we are, is what you're saying. Yeah. And when people experience a traumatic effect, even to the brain, music is one of the things that can really help with the neurological connections within the brain where you may not be able to communicate verbally 100%, but music is something that is soothing and calming and works in the brain in a very positive way. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion. I love music. I think probably most people do. I don't trust a person if they say they don't like music <laughs> flat out. We need to wrap up as I see our time is running here for the podcast, Ron. Closing thoughts for our audience? Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk about something that I'm very passionate about, and that is music and how it can be used as music therapy and within our organizations. I think that the research is continuing. I think that there are many avenues to explore. And if I was giving advice to an organization, I would definitely ask them to consider putting music into their organizational processes. Excellent. Well, I can't thank you enough. This has been very enjoyable. I wish you all the best. And you, and thank you for having me. We've been speaking today with Dr. Ron Johnson about music therapy and its applications for the workplace. I appreciate everyone listening, and I look forward to seeing you again for future podcasts. I leave you with another example of therapeutic music, also from Pixabay. This is emotional and inspiring background music by Oblix. For more information about our university, visit us at studyatapu.com. APU, American Public University.